may remain standing for the reading of the word of the Lord. We have two passages of Scripture, first in the Old Testament, and then we'll go to the New. And our overall theme for winter grace, which begins with Mark in the next service and goes to this afternoon and tomorrow night and Tuesday night, we hope that you'll all make, take advantage of these studies, is going to be the covenants and the vows of God. When God says, I do, and today you'll see obviously before us is the marriage vow, the covenant of marriage. Genesis chapter 2, therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And then turning to Colossians chapter 3, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called to one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. And now, wives, submit to your husbands as it is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. The scene for today's lesson comes to us from the Garden of Eden. The garden, the word literally means an enclosure. It is sacred space. God had created the entire universe, the heavens and the earth, and it was all good. But he enclosed a particular segment of the creation and designated it as the garden, the enclosure. Although it's hard to be absolutely sure, it is likely that it was four square because we see that in that garden, it was not just a garden, but it was a temple. It was a place that was set aside where God would meet with his creation, man and walk with them in the breeze or the spirit of the day, the cool of the day, the breeze. It was a place of incredible fellowship where God had come to meet man, hence like a temple. And it's not a surprise that the temple and the tabernacle in Israel were built along the lines of square, rectangle, and then the holy of holies, the most holy place where God would meet his people was a four square. 
And we see in the picture in Revelation of the holy city and the, the new Jerusalem coming down and all that God has provided for His people. It's cast in these same terms as a four-square place, a meeting place, the garden. This is where God met His creature and had fellowship with His creature. And it was not only a garden, but it was called the Garden of Eden. The word Eden means paradise, pleasure, enjoyment, absolute fulfillment, and pleasure and satisfaction and reward in every way. It was often referred to as paradise. And that's exactly what it was. But God had placed the creation all about him and had put man in the garden and was having fellowship with man and had given man all sorts of, of um, admonitions and commandments that would enhance the fellowship. And it's interesting how the Bible says the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living creature. God, in creating man, the scripture says he created them in his own image, male and female, he created them. We have first the picture of the male. And here we have God as a potter taking earth, dust, clay, and forming and fashioning the man. And he put the man in the garden and bringing him to this place where it was all beautiful and wonderful. And the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. To work it means to dress it. Work is not a punishment for sin. Toil in work is the punishment for sin. Working is working out in the image of God. God works and works all the time in His creative and in His providential work. He is constantly working and taking things that are perfect and processing them into more perfections. And that's what man was given the duty. It also implies a government. In fact, the Lord even says He was to have a dominion over the earth. So he was put in the, in the garden and he's put upon the earth to, to work it and also to uh, protect it, to keep it. He was not only to have the garden as his workplace and his place of enjoyment and fulfillment, but he was to have the garden as a place that he was responsible for in terms of protecting. In fact, it's interesting that in this task of working and keeping the garden, the Lord had laid out what he wants the human race to be all about, having dominion and productivity and protecting 
that and having a stewardship over that which God has given. It seems like that would probably be adequate. I mean, the Lord looked at the whole creation and said that it was good. But then it says in verse 15 of this chapter on the creation, the Lord took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. But then in verse 18, it says, the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make a helper fit for him. And it says that out of the ground, the Lord formed all the animals and brought all the animals to man, to Adam. And Adam named the animals. That was part of his process of working, was perfecting the creation to continue to do things, to add knowledge to it, to add value to it, to continue to enhance its worthiness. He began to establish the taxonomy. He looked at all the animals, he named them, he processed them, he analyzed them completely. And of all of this massive creation of life that breathed and that functioned upon the earth, there was not one single solitary creature that was for him. And the Lord brought Adam to his sense of need by showing him the assortment and the array of all that was there. But there was something missing. There was something missing. And that was for Adam to have as part of the creation something special. And that something was someone. And the Lord God said, it is not good that Adam should be alone. But I will make a helper fit for him. Why was it not good? Well, Adam was created in the image of God. And God was fully satisfied in all of his dealings and all of his communion within his trinity. The triune God had all the fellowship and all the love and all the expression and all the interaction that could possibly imagine. An infinite love, an infinite goodness and mutual fellowship and support because God is a trinity, a tri-unity. And man as he was created thus far by the potter's hands, was alone. He was just one, solo. And God knew that that which he enjoyed in his triunity should be given to man to have some capacity so God conceived not of a tri-unity, but of a bi-unity. A unity that would be in one, but made of two. And that was God's idea. And so male and female created he, them. And I want you to notice a few things about the creation of Eve. The first thing God said was 
that this would be a helper. I will make him a helper. The word that is here is the word in uh, ezer in the Hebrew. We, you sang it a moment ago, do you remember? Here I raise mine Eben Ezer. Uh-huh. And that's the, that's the Hebrew word. And it, that's the Hebrew name, Ebenezer. But the word Ebenezer means hitherto hath the Lord helped us. Nineteen times in the Hebrew text that word is used. And sixteen times it refers to God. One of the great attributes and works of God Almighty is he is a helper, a very present help in time of trouble. God is a helper in every way. He is an enabler. It would not be accomplished if God didn't come along and help. And the other three times the word's used, it's used of the woman. That's woman's creation in the image of God. God created woman to be a helper just like God is a helper, an indispensable helper, a helper that is absolutely necessary for the task to be completed. All of the tasks, the, the task of keeping and guarding and, and working, everything that God had called man to do in the garden, he could not do it without a helper. And that's Eve. That's the woman. And we really do err when we sort of think that maybe men, by the way, this sermon today is just for the, just for the men. I forgot to, women, you may listen if you'd like. Hopefully the Lord will speak to your heart and encourage you in some way. But this sermon is just from the guys, for the guys, because that's all I really have any relation to. It's interesting here now that the Lord said that he would make a helper fit for Adam. In other words, the helper who was in the image of God and had the attribute of God of being that great helper, that indispensable help and aid and enabler, he would make it suitable for Adam. And that's what the word means. It means adequate for Adam. All that Adam would need and suitable, tailor-made for what Adam was, who he was and what he was all about. God was going to give in this bi-unity this two who would become one and he would give them, give her everything that was needed and it would be perfectly suitable for Adam. It'd be everything he was missing, everything that he needed, everything to accomplish the task that God had given him and everything for his, his comfort and his pleasure and his communion and his joy, everything that would fill his soul would be provided by this, this one. She would be suitable for him. That's one of the reasons why we just can't really go with same-sex unions because it's inadequate. A man does not fulfill what another man needs. A woman does not give what another woman needs. The only way that it's adequate in the image of God is to have this distinct male and female union where the partner is a helper suitable 
and fitted in every way. The simplest and the primary mandate that was given was to be fruitful and multiply. Same-sex union cannot do that. It's inadequate. It's less than the best. It's less than God's creation. It's an acceptance by fallen man of a, of, of a truncated and a reduced and a devalued humanity. It's not man as he was created by God to be man and mankind. So he said, I will make a helper fit for him. And this is how the Lord went about doing it. Since from all the creatures there was not found a helper fit for him, verse 20, and verse 21 says, so the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up its place with the flesh, and the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. There's a whole lot going on here. The deep sleep that fell upon Adam was equivalent to death. In effect, God anesthetized, vacated his creation with Adam and started afresh and anew, put him to sleep and took from him a rib. Every fiber of that rib, every molecule of that rib was from Adam. Nothing was from the ground, nothing was from the dirt, nothing was from the clay, nothing was, it was from Adam himself. It had come from Adam in a death. And it would be given back to Adam in a union that would be the essence of Eden, pleasure. Fulfillment, completeness, joy. And that's what the Lord did. It's interesting here that the scripture says that he caused a deep sleep and he took one of, the, uh, one of his ribs and then he closed up the place with flesh. The Lord restored Adam. He brought him back. Death and resurrection is the way God works. And he brings Adam back with flesh. Oh, there's going to be a day when God's going to do something with Adam's flesh. There's going to be a seed of Adam, a descendant of the woman who will do fantastic, accomplished, atoning, redeeming, restoring work. There'll be a new Adam, a second Adam that will have a death and a resurrection. I, I said there's a lot here. I need to move along because I want to make this point. The rib that the Lord had taken from man, uh, taken from the man, he made into a woman. The word made means built. <laughs> I'm still talking to the guys now. God built the female. He fashioned her. He had fashioned the male from the dust of the earth, from the inorganic, 
now from the organic, he builds, he structures the woman. Oh, if you'll just think for a minute when you think about the beauty of the teaching throughout Scripture, how that the church, we, the believers, are the bride of Christ. And over and over and over, all we hear about in the New Testament is how the church must be built up. The word that's used is edified. The edification of the bride, the building up of the bride is what God is doing. Here in these primitive days of the human race, redemption, sanctification are all in place. And as he built up the woman and fashioned the woman and edified the woman into all that she should be, making her into what God's going to make the church into one day, the perfect bride. And he brings her to the man. I'm still talking to the men. <laughs> you can listen, ladies, if you'd like, but, but I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to the men. That woman that God brought to you was his unique gift to you. And you may have been like me, totally oblivious to all this. All you were doing was marrying a young woman who was beautiful and she attracted you in every way and you enjoyed being with her and you, you know, there's just so many things about her and the exuberance and the, and the folly of youth took you to the altar and you said, I do. And you know, and totally unaware of what God was doing for you and giving to you. The bride that he had for you. Sadly, some men rush ahead of God so far that they never get the bride that God was bringing to them. But they sell out short. They follow the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eye or any other number of things, maybe society's norms. And they rush in and they move in and they claim someone that is not the bride that has been constructed and edified and built for them. God starts with the little baby in the womb and starts taking that woman and training her and giving her what she needs in her life to be that which you need in your life. And that's what Adam recognized. When he saw the woman, the man said, and he didn't even say it in crude and stammering prose as I would have said, it's in the most beautiful poetry you'll find anywhere in the Old Testament. This at last. How long had Adam been around naming animals and working and walking with God? I don't know. I don't know what the concept of time was. I don't know how long Adam had been alone, but he'd been alone long enough that when the Lord presented to him that which was fitted for him and perfect for him and in every way, he recognized it as the supreme blessing of his life at last. This is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She had not come out of the backside of the creation 
She had not come from a far country. She had not come from another lump of clay, but she had come from Him. And there she was in her beauty and in her perfection. And He wanted her back to Himself in the most sacred and beautiful of intimacies. And that's what he said, she shall be called woman, Isha, because she was taken out of man, Ish, in the Hebrew. A bride brought to her husband. Now, verse 24, the text. <laughs> Therefore, you don't start with a therefore, you end with a therefore. In everything that we've seen in this beautiful scenario of God bringing man his bride. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife and they shall become one flesh. This union that God had brought about between his creature created in his image man and that which was perfectly built and fitted and suitable for him in every way, male and female, in the image of God. That was what was to be multiplied in the earth. Not perverted, not twisted, not changed, not shortened, and not driven off the rails. But that was what was to be duplicated a man and a woman coming together, producing offspring, who would then create a new unit, leave father and mother, and have a new unit, a new union. Because it was God's intent to duplicate and replicate across all of creation that union between a man and a woman that would represent that which was to come about in time and in fulfillment, the union of God's own Son in the flesh with His bride, the church of the living God. I don't know what Eve looked like that day. I'm speaking to the men now. But I will bet you she had that look where you just see her and that's all your eyes want to look at. The pleasure and the joy. And that's what God wants us to be as His bride. He wants us to be perfect without blemish. And the Bible even says one day it'll happen. That there'll be a deliverance from heaven of a huge gift. And it will be the bride adorned for her husband throughout all eternity. And the scriptures tell us men to love our wives. What the Lord is calling us to, and even in our fallen and sinful nature and in our shortcomings and our inadequacies, he's calling us to do exactly what Adam did there that day. 
look at her with an overwhelming desire and love because that's what Christ did to the church. He looked at us. He so loved the Father did that he delivered his son and he delivered a bride to his son. Does this help at all? <laughs> Does this help us at all to sort of clear away the fog of all of this, what society and what the fallen sinful race has given us over the last centuries and help us see just one glimpse of the glory of God in male and female, husband and wife, a bi-unity, the two shall become one flesh. 